What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Legacy Quest podcast. Today, I have a guest on that I'm very excited about. This is a guy that um, we've been bantering back and forth on social media, and I have seen him hone his message and becoming someone who is laser beam focused with a mission. And I'm so excited to have someone so intentional. Today, we have Andrew Brown on the podcast. Andrew is the founder and CEO of ToolFetch.com. Please check toolfetch.com out oh my god i have a list as long as my arm of wants and needs that i may not need i'm just glad my wife was not in the room when i'm looking at all of these tools on toolfetch.com he's also an influencer on tiktok linkedin and youtube advocating for the trades in the blue collar world andrew thank you so much for being on the podcast today appreciate it thank you thank you for having me so when we look at what you're doing right now, we're going to get into the trades. We're going to talk about the trades and the desperate need that we have for leadership and advocate uh, advocacy. We're going to talk about how, you know, the this, this stuff I think that a lot of us are talking about, my friend and I, Aaron, and my friend and I, Forrest, and Herb Sargent, we're all talking about these things about the trades, but I want to know about you, and I want to know where your blue-collar journey started. Yeah, and that's thank you for asking. And again, thank you for having me on the on the show. So, starts when I was 23 years old, and it's September 11, 2001. Living in New York City at the time, and the planes had just hit the buildings. Wow! And like everyone else, we were in shock. And I had this feeling inside that I had to do something. I had I couldn't just sit there, even though I was in the city. I had to do something, and I called up my friend and I said, look, we're going to go down there. We're going to help. He's like, shit, you know, no, we're not going down. I'm like, no, we're going down there. Come in. He's coming in from Rhode Island. One or two days. I was a couple of days later. He came in and he comes in this big, massive blue truck with an American flag on the back. And he's got overalls, a hard hat. He gives me the overalls and the hard hat. We race down the West side highway going through lights and I remember, I'll be a little bit more descriptive and give you more context. When we stopped at lights, people thought we were tradespeople helping down at ground zero and started oh. throwing water, started throwing food and toothbrushes. Oh. It was intense. Oh. And we got through all the checkpoints. And I can't tell you how we got through the checkpoints, but we got through the checkpoints. We parked the car. And now I am standing on the World Trade Center where it once stood. And it's only a couple of days after. Things are still smoking it's there's debris everywhere and i found myself the entire day helping tradespeople and emergency workers find survivors the entire day and what really struck me about this was the tradespeople on site they had no protection on no ppe mm -hmm. on they had their their quickie saws and they had their hacksaws and they had all their hand tools trying to find survivors and just watching them go into unstable structures and there was glass falling and people were screaming. It was just a life changing event. And after that situation, when I left for weeks, I had sleepless nights mm -hmm. and I was working in IT at the time on Wall Street. I quit my job. Wow. I handed in my papers and I quit my job and I said, I need to give back to the tradespeople that gave so much that day and throughout history. 
And for another handful of weeks, a month went by, I was racking my brain what to do. And that's where I co-founded an online tool and equipment business named Toolfetch with my brother. A little over 20 years ago, we still love the business. We're still doing it today. We sell tools to the skilled trades around the world. So professionals such as welders and carpenters and plumbers and other blue collar trades. Now, these are the men and women who are building and repairing our infrastructure, our roads, our tunnels, bridges, and we reach them by offering over 1 million products with one of the largest catalogs on the internet with 600 different vendors. So products like lifts, cement mixers, drain cleaners, drain, drain cleaners, harnesses and, and stuff like that. that. That's my way to get back to the blue collar trades. And I've been on, really on this mission since 9-11 and I've been working behind the scenes, speaking to people around the country in the trades, plumbers and, and welders and listening to their stories, listening to the wage issues and mm -hmm. just not having a voice. And it, I always had this in me, I just, I just didn't put it out there. I was scared. I was an introvert. And it wasn't until last year in September where I just, I started putting content out about the, about the trades because mm -hmm. I had all this inside of me. And then after a couple of different videos, I had one video that, uh, that went viral and I was like, wow, there really are a lot of people in the trades on LinkedIn. Oh, and yeah. just the, the conversations back and forth. And then I just started putting out a lot more content and I just kind of been on, on this mission. I just never really did it until really September of last year, but I've always kind of been on this since September 11th. So that's, well, been, my, that's been my journey. For me, because I love Toolfetch now and I'm going to be checking that out more and more. I want to say Toolfetch as many times as I can say Toolfetch on the podcast. So <laughs> if I could just say Toolfetch one more time. But because, and one of the reasons for that is, is to support someone who has a story like that. You know, as you were talking about September 11th, I remember where I was. I remember I had my best friend, one of, I was the best man in his wedding. His wife introduced my wife and we've been married for 25 years. Um, she just passed away. Uh, uh, his wife did, but um, he was there at September 11th. He was a guy, he worked the stock exchange and he was one of those guys covered in dust and uh, running across the bridge, you know, and, and, I remember what that was like for, for him and to be able to, you know, it took four hours to even get um, on a call with him. But when I say four hours, I didn't wait. I was calling every minute for four hours to see if my best friend was, was still alive. And I can't imagine what it was like to see that maw in front of you and the impact, the impact that it made. I think the craziest thing was, how it impacted you in such a way that you were like, this is the mission. And that's what excites the heck out of me. When you, everybody's mind is so different, but you decided to take such a, I mean, it could have been very traumatic for you, you, but you decided to take this thing and go, Oh my God, the blue collar trades is what builds our infrastructure. These, these are the, I mean, people are throwing water at us because they think we're tradespeople. Now I come here, they don't even have the proper PPE on, and these guys are just jumping in. They don't care. They're hell bent just to save lives, and they're using every tool. I mean, I cannot see how effective a hacksaw would be in that moment, but they're using everything within their power to save human lives. And I think that's one of the things that this country is missing when we look at the trades. 
and, and we push it aside, we don't realize how truly noble it is. Yeah, think about the, the linemen, right? Yeah. So a hurricane happens, <clears throat> the power goes down, and who's behind the first responders? But yeah, the firemen and, and the policemen. The linemen. You yep. see those those trucks lined up. I think it was when in Florida, and 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 there were just surrounding states and people coming in from from different states, linemen and women. And it's just it's so inspiring. Yeah. It's also scary because they're putting their lives on line just to get the power back on. And that's what that's the narrative that people don't really realize. Yeah, but they really they really put it on the line. And that's why I just keep telling these type of stories so people can can hear it. And really, it's it's trying to inspire the younger kids to get involved because they don't see that. No. And it's it's just it's wonderful to see. I think we're in one of the father. I built, but statistically, we're in the one of the most fatherless generations the world has ever seen, especially in America. Fatherless by lack of guidance, lack of uh, pointing our kids in the right direction, and lack of father, dad just being there. It's it's a pandemic. Dad is not there. And the statistics alone of a family and children and kids with a dad, just a dad there to help guide, it sends a trajectory in such a way, and especially as it pertains to the traits and getting a job, having a direction, going and having a path and being focused. And what you said there too about the line, it's so powerful. I have a personal friend of mine, Trish, and she was there uh, during the hurricane. Uh, she lived in Fort Myers. And so she is on uh, right on the water and they did not, they chose not to leave. And honestly, you know, it was projected not to hit them directly. And <laughs> yeah, she sent the last video she sent me, put me on my knees because I was praying and, and hoping that, you know, that she'd be okay. But um, to see that firsthand and to see it while it was happening live and then to see these these linemen lined up sitting in their trucks overnight. Now they're not in a hotel. They're not hanging out. People don't realize these guys and gals are in the trucks waiting just for the window so they can come in immediately. And to see the power behind them, these guys and these gals are true warriors. When I was drilling in the mining uh, industry and, and this last year I worked in the mines for, for an organization and helping them to, to lead on a high level. And I'm going to tell you, I remember sitting there in my drill thinking, dude, this is the baseline of infrastructure. What we're doing here is so huge and people poo-poo on it, but it's enormous what we're doing. Literally rock goes into Wheaties. I don't know if anybody knows that, but limestone's in Wheaties. It's in the drywall and every stitch of your house. Limestone is at the base of every road. It's in concrete. It's every building you've ever looked at. Limestone was a part of it. It is the base of every piece of infrastructure. And what we're doing is powerful. And when you say things like, and this was one of your last posts I thought was big. You said so much in such a short time. I was like challenged by that. You were talking about how the pay does not equate to the things that we're doing. Flesh that out in your thoughts with that, and, and let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, it's funny. I have a reminder back here. Um, <laughs> it says, you do, you do not have to go to college to make a good living. And then I list, you know, per hour what a plumber would make. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I think it's just years and years of just listening to men and women in the trades 
and their struggles of just getting properly paid for what they do. Yeah. And I think it's also dependent on where you are in the country, obviously, where the work is and what type of work that you do. But I, I just I hear the struggles and I and and I put it out there that that is one of the top, top issues that is facing the trades right now, in a sense that we're doing this hard work, but we're not truly getting paid for what we are doing. I mean, if you're if you're working underwater and you're doing welding, well, that's an extreme oh you know, oh level my, yes. of work and it's dangerous, but like these guys are men and women are making 200 plus thousand dollars a year doing that but that's for the for the extreme level of work that they're doing but i think the wages is always going to be a problem and has been a problem and that's one of the reasons why younger kids are looking at and say why would i want to do backbreaking work and get into the trades and this there's this perception of that it's just dirty and i always preach this that it's dirty they i think people think well it's just somebody wheeling a, a, a wheelbarrow on, on, on a job site and, and, and laying concrete. Well, to some degree, yes. And you can work your way up to different levels depending where you wanna go uh, within the trades. But that's the misconception out there. The perception is just incorrect. And that's what I just keep putting out there that the money is there if you put the time in. And yeah. it's not, I say, I, I kind of flip back and forth. I kind of say that it's, it's not instant gratification becoming a tradesperson. Sometimes I do say that it is instant gratification, but I think kids need to understand that you need to put the time and effort into developing your skills, being an apprentice or being a journeyman and then being a master or whatever trade that you go in. But once you get in and, and you've been doing it for a while and you get into these niches, there's so much money. I just, I hear these stories of, it's funny, someone always says, Oh, I, I know somebody who's plumbing. He's got the big house over there. It's like, you hear <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. Of course they do. You don't realize it because people always equate, well, I have to be a doctor or I have to be in finance to make that money. It's not necessarily people, you know, doing in, in dirt and other things. Like, there's tons and tons of opportunities out there. I just, I just hope that, and, and my mission is, is to at least change one person's mind yeah. and say, you know what? I, I saw some of your videos and you know, I didn't know about the trades and I didn't know that there are possibilities out there. And I ended up going to trade school. That is my win yeah. right there. I had a client a couple of years ago that I was helping him to learn how to network and utilize social to network and helping him to uh, level up in his career. And uh, the great thing about this dude was he started in the stock exchange and he ended up becoming a cat mechanic and um, became a um, PSR for cat. And he and I were working together from that point to help him to, to level up and either move up or move out. And he was like, man, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, I, I felt that, you know, the, working in the stock exchange would be full of movers and shakers and all this stuff. He goes, it was so soulless. And he said, I just wanted to do the exact opposite of that. He goes, I felt like a piece of me that was integral was being taken from me every single day. He goes, and then I just did the polar opposite. I just jumped in the first thing and he goes, I became a mechanic. And he goes, I loved it. 
He goes, I absolutely loved every day. He said, because I could see the fruits of my labors. It was tangible in front of me. He said, I gave of myself. And he said, and then when I realized the more I showed up, the more it mattered. He said, in the stock market, he goes, the more I schmoozed or lied or the more someone knew someone else, the further they went. And, and, and that's just not something that I personally want to be a part of, and neither did he. And in the trades, you've got to understand young people, anything. If you want to be a black belt today in jujitsu, you got to show up. And it's hard work. And if you're part of a good school, they're not going to just hand it to you. They're not going to hand you a black belt. You have got to put in the time. You have got to roll. You've got to get on the mat. You've got to work hard. And that's the way it is here. And I'm telling you, if you're the type of person listening today that you're willing to show up early, do the jobs no one wants to do, be responsible, integral in the markets we're in today, you will advance and you will advance quickly upon your merit. And sure, there's going to be some people who is the brother-in-law who got the promotion. It's 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 going to happen. That's just life. I've got a book right here by my computer from 1943 that talks about that. It talks about leadership from like nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. But the thing that you just touched on right there, it's about integrity. And in anything you endeavor to do, man, as long as you're pushing forward that initiative integrity, you'll make great money in this industry. I met 19 and 20-year-old young men that were making 80 Gs to start driving a haul truck. $80,000 is nothing to sneeze at. And that was entry level. Were there challenges? Yes. There's always going to be challenges. Were there people they didn't like to work with? Yes. Were there safety issues? There are safety issues in every job you're going to work with. You keep your head on a swivel, you move forward, you will advance. And I love that that what you're pushing there. I love what you keep talking about and honing your mission. It's like, this is a good place to be. Yeah. And it's funny. I am a byproduct of going to college. I am one of those where, and I always say this, it, it depends what's going on in your household, in your, yeah. your family, because your parents have a lot of influence on you. You just don't realize over time, they, they keep instilling values in you and if 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 you constantly hear your parents say well you got to go to college you got to go to college you got to go to college and that was when I was growing up that was instilled in me that was just because they just well just go to college now yeah. I'll tell you I spent four years at college and I came out more confused <laughs> after the fact and I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I was doing my first couple of years, I was a programmer. I was in, I was writing C++ programs and doing yep. advanced calculus. And I'm sitting in the freaking lab on Saturday at like a two or three o'clock in the afternoon, looking at my, looking at people. I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? I just, I, I didn't know what I was doing here. And then I ended up switching to a business degree, management and information systems. And I ended up minoring in finance. And then I went into IT and then I went into uh, selling tools to the skilled trades. Obviously I had a life-changing event, but like it didn't set me really up for anything. No. And I got, I got kind of pushed into that narrative and that's what kids are being kind of pushed into and not having the right information. And that's all about this messaging about, yes, there is this other opportunity out there. And what you said, you know, coming out with hundreds of thousands of debt like that just that just follows you right it that does. Just, yeah that constantly follows you don't know what you're signing 
When you're 18, mm -hmm. 19, whatever, when you go to college, you're signing on that dotted line. You're signing, I don't want to say you're signing your life away, but you don't realize on the, on the other side of it that you're coming out. You might not even go into the field that you even studied for. You put all this money. I, you know how many people have told me that I, I, I went to school for X degree and I was in something else and I started over again. And that it's just mind boggling. Yeah, it is mind boggling. You know, I've, I've worked with people from Yale and I've worked with people from Harvard and I'm an advocate of you going to school, but going to school intentionally know what you're going for and realize that's probably going to change before the end of it. You know, <laughs> um, I've met a lot of doctors too, that just became doctors because they had already spent so much money at one point. They're mm -hmm. like, this is all I've got, you know? And so I'm going to stick with it. But uh, I could not agree more with that. I think if it all boils down with being intentional, I was part of a startup where I I was a part of hiring almost 300 workers in, in less than a year. And when I started, I was employee 24. And um, just being in northern Michigan on the Lake Huron with these guys in, on a mine site, and I, I would trick them. So I would bring hats and merch and stuff. And I'm like, who wants to roll back to the hotel in my truck? Or who wants to go to the restaurant back in my truck? And so I, these these young kids would all pile into my truck because – I was the guy, I was a fixer. I was the GM of the organization. If there were fires, I went and put them out. And, and uh, while they were in the truck, I would ask them, so how many times did you go to the bar this week? And they'd be like, uh, man, yeah, yeah. And they would laugh. Yeah, every night, every night. And I'm like, really, really, really? Yeah, how much do you think you guys might make this year? Oh, I, I don't know. Really, really? What, what are you doing with your money? I don't know. And they were so unintentional what they they would end up at the end of the year without anything to show for all their hard work. And I think that's one of the things that stings us in the blue collar world, because people work hard, they earn what they get, but they spend it frivolously. And what I realized was that we as an organization, we're not setting our people up to win. And I think that's one of the issues we have in the blue collar world. We're, we stop at you're hired and task training. And then other than that, we really don't try to develop the character of the person or develop them and give them the tools to win with what they're being given. What do you feel is the answer to kind of, one, getting rid of that stigma and two, further investing in our people on a deeper level? Yeah. Mentorship, leadership, training. When somebody comes in new into the trades or any organization, there has to be, you have to, you have to be in, you have to be intentional in the sense that you need, I always feel latching on to somebody who has years of experience. Yeah. So somebody who's, so somebody who's <laughs> a, a master plumber or somebody who is an electrician, and let's say you want to get to that certain level. Well, you should be, shadowing that person, understanding what needs to get done, what courses you need to take, who you need to speak to. Because I always feel that the mentorship side cuts out so many different, so many hours of time, of wasted time of trying different things. And I felt this in my career too. I should have latched on to mentors early on. I probably would have been in a, a slightly different situation. And I have over the last couple of years, it's made a world of difference. But I think mentorship, training by the organization. So when somebody comes on on site, somebody should be put into some type of training. So they're not just there doing work from 
8.30 to, to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They know, and the other portion is sharing or showing um, what you're doing on site. You know, you're, you're, you're building this building so people can have jobs. Like you're, you're just displaying um, what these, uh, what you're doing will eventually help people down the road or you're, you're building these, these type of uh, projects, that type of stuff, but instilling that it's fulfilling and, you know, you know, the work that you're doing sort of down the road, but going back to, to the mentorship and, and the training side of it, I think that's the most important piece. And that's something that the older generation that's retiring should be passing down to the younger generation because they have all those trade secrets. They have all that, that knowledge, if they take it with them and they don't pass it down, I feel that's sort of like a, then it's a lost art from there. So passing that, that information down to the younger generation is extremely important. I think one of your posts to correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I might mess this up, but like 40% of our workforce is going to be a retirement age in, I can't remember the, what you said in year, how many years? Yeah, so I always say it's about five to 10 years. There's always, 10. yeah, five to 10 years. It's always, um, it's one of those things that people don't really realize how screwed we are. And I- It's true. I, I, you know, yeah. And I always make these, like, I always make these funny videos where, what if we woke up and all the tradespeople disappeared? Where would we oh, be? Oh, we'd be doomed. It's the same thing yeah, if, like, what if all the spiders died? <laughs> exactly. and. I look at these things like things around my house. So I just had a, a, a dryer fail and my washer machine failed. Well, that's my day-to-day, -day, like we need that stuff. And I had someone come down and fix this. This is your perfect example. Nice, nice gentleman. We, a lot of people in my area use this, this gentleman and he came down, he's about 66, 67, somewhere in that range. And we got to talking about the trades and it's like, I have a perfect gig. I have no debt, make good money, don't work that many hours. And nobody wants to take over for me. Like nobody, nobody, people, kids want to go into IT and tech and AI. And it, it's, it's great money. Like what's going on here? And he was shaking his head. And it's, this is what's happening, which we don't see. So what happened is, what happens is, is he retires and there's no one to take his place. Yeah. And then people are not able to find somebody to fix X, Y, Z. And I have people and friends who complain and say, I can't get an electrician down. I can't get a plumber down. Of course you can't. Yeah. Because they have enough work. Yeah. They can pick and choose the jobs that they want. And mm -hmm. they can demand the money they want. I always say that in, in the next couple of years, they can demand 100 plus an hour. Oh, yeah. Easy. In their niche. Easily. And you'll pay it. And, and yeah. you'll pay it because you, you need you need these things fixed. Yeah. The blue collar entrepreneur is the next, it, it is the millionaire, is the next millionaire. And, and in today's day and age, a million dollars sounds like a lot. We all say it's a million dollars a lot. It's not a lot of money. You know, I, I, I work for companies that don't, that don't uh, boast about how much they make, you know, and they're small companies and they're doing seven, eight, you know, six million dollars a year. And, and, and it's easy breezy. The, the, there's more work than they know what to do. This is literally 
a gold mine that's out there waiting for people that if you learn a trade and you're phenomenal at it, you will be set. Not only that, you're not going to be helpless. One of the things that I really push is like, there's a lot of things that I can do that I learned in the blue collar trades that now if I'm home and that something needs repaired, I can take care of it. And for me personally, true freedom isn't some quasi idea and it's aloof. True freedom means I can move forward and I can take care of myself if needed. I can I can wrench if needed. I hate working on my car. I I'm not I, I'm not a great I don't have the patience for it, but I can do it if an alternator needs fixed, if the radiator needs changed, if the starter I put a starter on my three-quarter ton last year. It, it's not that big. And I learned all those things and it became me very made me very self-aware human being and a very self-reliant human being. Realize if I don't know it, I can learn it. And if I can take it apart, I might be able to fix it. And so it builds such a tremendous amount of confidence. This is not just about the bottom dollar, guys. This is about you growing as a human being and putting yourself out there on, on a massive scale and learning about life and how to adapt. It, it, it's, it's, if you're not going in the military, this is a phenomenal way for you to grow and expand yourself as a human being is to jump in and discipline yourself enough to learn a trade. And just like Andrew said, you have a phenomenal opportunity to make great money. Yeah. And, and the way to really start, the easy way to start is to start doing little projects around the house. Yeah. And I always watched my father do stuff. He was, he was handy and I used to watch him. He, he had put up uh, these wood boards in, in, in our garage and paneled everything. It was just for me as a little kid watching him. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he used to fix things around the house. And, and that starts to instill that in yourself that gives mm -hmm. you the confidence to, to try different things. And if, I always say if you have that technical spark, the mechanical ability, some people just have it. Yeah. And if, if there are shop classes in school, which typically there aren't, and I, I don't recall a shop class when I was growing up in my school, then it, you further develop your skills and then it oh, kind yeah. of leads you on that, that path. <laughs> Otherwise, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't really happen. I mean, it could naturally happen. You could naturally pick it up and then mm -hmm. think about going to a trade school. Or maybe there's someone in your family who was in the trades that can instill that in you as well. But I think the shop classes will at least give you that ability to, to, to hone your skills and to learn how to use different tools, power tools, stuff like that, machinery, and then all of a sudden you might say, you know what, college is not for me. You know what? And that's okay. It is. It's not for, it's not for everybody. And not everybody wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or in finance. And like you said, <laughs> yeah. you have such a tremendous opportunity. And I'm, I, I'm just, I'm, I keep just pitching it. Yeah. I just, I say the same thing over and over again, but I, I keep pitching it that, that the opportunities right now are so great. Yeah. And that this window of the next handful of years, you can really do extremely well. Yeah. You know, my grandmother used to say, I, well, she lived right next door to us and I grew up next door. And, and I was the kid who was always going on seeing my grandma, mostly because she had cookies and I was into cookies. I was one of them little, little round boys that loved cookies. And so I was in there with my grandma and she, I remember her saying, your dad's generation was so disrespectful. 
And she thought my generation was all about me, you know, but then when I grew up and I started to, to learn things, I heard that your generation is so disrespectful. And now we talk about millennials. We talk about the and generational gaps and it's all horseshit, 100% horseshit, because we've been talking about this for thousands of years that the generation before us is disrespectful. I believe what we have to do is those of us who are a little bit more sage wisdom is because we brought these people in the world and we taught them how to communicate, we need to learn to communicate with them in such a way that can bring these things across so that we can teach them, so that we can train them. So those guys who are retiring, they can pour into these people realizing they're not just some punk kid because you were the punk kid once. And so where do you feel like, because we have all these communication gaps, where are we missing it as a blue collar trade to be able to reach out to young people and show them these things that are evident truths and not as narrative benders, because that's not what guys like you are doing. That's not what guys like me are doing. You're, you're not part of some affiliate that's telling you to do this. You're not, you're, you don't have some vested interest in pushing the trades. You're doing it because you have a heart for people and you see it. You saw it firsthand at nine 11. What a powerful, impactful story. And you're doing it for the sake of trying to help others, because this isn't filling your coffers by doing this. Guys, he's not doing this because he's got a sponsor who's pouring this. He's doing it because this is a mission in his life. Where are we missing it, Andrew, in such a way that we are just not spelling this out properly for young people? So millennials and, and younger generation every ge every generation is going to say the pre the, the the current generation is is different than our generation and they don't work hard i don't truly believe that i just think they're looking for something different they're they're really looking for if some if, if i'm a young individual just kind of getting out uh if i was coming out of college or i was not going into college i think i want to align myself with an organization that believes in something. Yeah. I don't want to just join an organization that has no beliefs. I want to, I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part of their core values and organizations need to do a better job of retaining yeah. the younger generation. And that comes back to training that comes back to mentorship. Um, you could say stuff like, well, they're looking for perks. I don't believe wages is the end all be all, even though some people yeah. put that as number one, number two. It's not all about that because you could work somewhere where you can make good money, but yeah. if the company treats you like shit, yep, and it's just bad aura, this is bad, you know, on the Preach. job site, and yep, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work. People will will jump to the next whatever it is, job or and you want to be able to make sure that they are taken care of, that they belong to something. Yeah. And, and that's that's kind of what they're that's what they're they're looking for today. And even in, in my business too, it's there is there is a structure in your business to run your business, and there is a structure of how to uh, work with people. So yeah. there's a plan for your business and there's mm -hmm. a plan for people. And you want to make sure that they taking care of recognition, that they do do something well on the job. You're, they're recognized for recognition goes a long way as opposed to just wages. They want to be recognized. They did a good job. They, they did something right, that type of stuff. All these pieces of part, mentorships, training, 
recognition, obviously wages, and just a feeling of belonging into an organization that really is inspiring someone to climb the ladder to success. That's all the, the components of like the recipe to, for someone to be successful coming into the trades. I, I could not agree more. You know, so many companies now are, are still using a, a, a template that's hundreds of years old. You come, you work, I get rich, I get to have the good vacations, I get to influence, I can look great on Instagram, and I can try to lure you into this place because I look amazing with you, the feeling that you're going to be in the jet set, but you never will be because I'm going to keep you right here. I have a good friend of mine, Herb, who's running a just a bang up organization that's constantly growing and changing and he has a mission behind what he's doing has a vision behind what he's doing you know sergeant corp isn't perfect but they're an organization that is constantly trying to invest in the leadership and what they're seeing is people saying i'm a sergeant that's his business i'm a sergeant and, and when i hear the entry-level employees go i'm finally a sergeant i'm like what the hell what the hell is going on here this is amazing and I worked for a company as a startup and we, we blew up quick and we were preaching all these values. But what I realized that perception versus reality was absolute horseshit. And we I work in, in trying to fix these job sites and going and being a fireman, more or less, and finding these young people saying things to me like, hey, on the on the website, it says it says on the website, you make work fun. And I'm like, it does. It says on the website that you guys are going to be the change. And he said, I came here thinking one thing and I got a whole other. And, 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 and you could not be more right. The thing that we've neglected is we build for infrastructure. We build for all these other, but we don't build for the emotional infrastructure of our people. We don't give them a vision. We don't give them a hope of moving forward. We don't give them the tools to understand their finances. We, we give them an app for their 401k and say, good luck. And this is their money that we ask so much of them. They'll spend more time with us than they will at home. I know what it's like to be away from home for so long. I come home and my daughters don't look the same. The baby face was gone. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to work a job where I don't get home till two in the morning and four, I have to be out the door. And at two in the morning, when I came home, I had to undress on the porch because I was so filthy I couldn't come into the house. I know what this is like. I know what it's like to be on an airplane in one minute and be in DC Metro and then the next work in San Jose. I know what that's like to get a one-way ticket to a job site and say, good luck, fix it. And when we do not handle the emotional infrastructure of our people and we're asking and requiring so much, the pay doesn't mean shit at that point. Because people are like, my fan, I, I, I haven't even seen my kids. I haven't seen my family and I'm, I, I'm, the money doesn't mean anything to me anymore. And I think yeah. you are onto something. And I think more and more as we invest in that way, we are going to see change. We're going to see people come to us because the companies that are striving for that, we're seeing the results. Yeah. You, you hit on something, the, the work-life balance, people want work-life balance. You, you, you put long hours in into the trades yeah. and you're working and <clears throat> in, in, in some, some respects you're working in some harsh environments, but you want to make time for the things that are also important to you. And companies need to realize that, that it, it's not all work. It, you have to have, give the flexibility of somebody making time for family. Yeah. And that I do that in, in our organization too, 
that you, you really need to provide that level of flexibility, you know, if you can remote work type of stuff, you know, and just giving them the tools that they need to, to succeed that you're just not there, just kind of like doing the work, but you're, you're doing it for, for a reason and providing them the, the tools and the training. And like I said before, that mentorship and that type of stuff, because people want to feel like they belong to something. Yep. That's the way they'll succeed uh, for the younger generation kind of coming into the trades. You know, I worked with, uh, I was in a non-for-profit for many years and I, I chased that life for a long time because I love helping people. And it's just, it's, it's, it's my trade. You know, I, I've had all kinds of trades growing up, but just really investing in people. And I, I got to spend some time with a lot of one percenter bikers for about seven years. And I've worked with people that were uh, once rode with groups like the Hells Angels or HAs, as we like to call them, um, um, the Black Pistons and um, uh, Outlaws, and then also the Vagos. And um, Vagos are people that a lot of people don't know about that gang, but they eat their own. There's a saying. And um, I'm sitting there across from a Vago. Uh, and he was getting counseling from me. And I remember him telling me the things that he did for the sake of being a part of something <laughs> and feeling like there was a something bigger. I'm telling you, this is so huge. If you're a business leader here today, that if you can tap into the tribal needs of your people, you can grow them and you can not make them just feel that they're a part of something bigger than themselves, but something that is bigger than themselves. If you can tap into that right now, you will be at the cutting edge of recruiting and retention and people will be banging your door down to get inside because you have a tribe. And this is very important for the human being, especially these new generations. They want to feel a part. They want to feel like they're valid and they're moving forward. Andrew, I could not, I think we could talk for probably two hours, three hours, but um, I can't thank you enough for this refreshing conversation, number one. But number two, something I want to start asking of all my guests. So I got known for saying a statement that I've expanded, but it was build a legacy that will far surpass your legend. And then I expanded it with build a legacy that will far surpass your legend and inspire others to do the same. And I feel like you're that type of person. For you, I want to ask, what does legacy mean for you and what is your legacy the, the legacy that you want to leave behind personally? It's all about the mission. Yeah. Right. So I, and going back to 9-11, that happened for a reason. And it was traumatic experience, but it just changed the trajectory of what I need to do. And a lot of people don't find what they, what they, what their life mission or what they need to do. And they kind of flap around the job, the job. I'm not really sure. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I am really doing what I'm supposed to do and putting myself out there on video and, and the messaging. It's, it's, it's all about just changing that perception of the trades and helping the younger generation make an informed decision that they have an option out there, that it's not just college, there is trade school, there is the trades, and just shedding the light, shining the light on the great opportunities that are really available. So if, if I was to you know, not be here tomorrow, if I can leave sort of that legacy of just 
changing sort of that perception. And I, I said it before, I just want to change one person's perception. That's all I need. Just mm -hmm. one person's perception that decided that, you know what? College is not for me. Trades is, is, is an opportunity that I could really succeed in. That would be sort of my sort of legacy of leaving that if I could just change just one person. Yeah, and that's powerful, isn't it? That is so powerful. You know, yeah, other than so toolfetch.com, 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 <laughs> other than finding you there and finding you on LinkedIn under your name, Andrew Brown, on LinkedIn, phenomenal content, great stuff. Um, where else can we find you and see your stuff? Yeah, so we have a YouTube channel. It's actually under toolfetch. Um, I have a lot of uh, videos on there from the, from the past doing uh, how-tos and stuff like that. LinkedIn, TikTok, under Andrew L. Brown. Andrew, okay. Yep. Uh, DM me on LinkedIn. I want to hear from you. Whether you just want to talk about shop or the trades, I'm, I'm always open, open to chat. Or just call me directly. Outstanding. Well, everybody, this has been a phenomenal conversation. And to wrap it up, I just so there's no there's no way to end this conversation. There's no good way, because I really believe there's a lot of issues that we face, but they're all issues that we can accomplish when we're intentional, focused in the right direction, and striving together as one. As we link shields in life, it takes understanding how to be both a servant and a leader. And I'm telling you, if you can conceptualize that right now in your life, no matter where you are, you can lead, you can grow, and you can move forward. As a matter of fact, you can build a legacy that will far surpass your legend and inspire others to do the same. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep going, keep growing, keep building that legacy. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to yet another episode of the Legacy Quest Podcast. Uh, the Legacy Quest Podcast is brought to you by Bowman Legacies, making life better for the blue-collar worker one CEO at a time. Whether it's leadership development, organizational culture, personal development, or one-on-one -on -one consulting and coaching, Bowman Legacies is the consultancy there for you to help you build a legacy that will far surpass your legend. See you at the next episode, guys.